right, so we on. Welcome, everybody, to the Las Vegas Crime Report. This is like an exciting moment right here. I'm with my co-host. Mary uh, Beth. My partner in crime, Mary Beth. Um, so really excited, Mary Beth. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you excited about the show? I'm super excited and super nervous. So. I think our audience, because um, we've been getting like an overwhelming response on social media and people just really interested in what's going on in Las Vegas. Uh, how, like, what is the Las Vegas crime report about? Um, so, you know, I've been, uh, thank you to all the fans that's been reaching out to us uh, early on before we really started the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, Mayor Beth, I know on your end, people have been reaching out to you. Um, and we've already been getting people that's like, hey, I want to be in, uh, a part of the show. Uh, I've been involved with different crimes in the area. Um, some really interesting stuff. You yeah. Know, what, what have you heard from people? Um, well, I've had, like, friends that, and people who I work with who've reached out to me and are just like, you know, I have this mi- missing person or I've been touched by crime this way or um, just all kinds of different things. I mean, I mention it everywhere I go that we have this show coming out, and um, it's a crazy how many people love true crime. So, yeah, um, it's a lot of crime lovers out there. What's some of your favorite shows um, that that you can you know, <laughs> tell us you watch on true crime? Oh my I know gosh. one of mine is like first 48 hands down but do you, you got a favorite show um so honestly forensic files is what started it for me okay um geez i don't even know like when i was like 15 i think way back when but um forensic files started it for me but anything id channel my like my tv doesn't leave id channel if you go through mm-hmm. my hulu list like i probably look like a a murder obsessed person but it's all true crime i just think it's interesting i think it's fun to like watch and see if you can like you know solve the case before the end of the show and most of the like after you watch so many of these it's just like dude really mm. I, I already know who did it i feel the same way i'm like it's almost like um you're a junior investigator watching these <laughs> shows and you're like i know I know he did it. Like, yeah. I know he did it. and But then th- that show that, like, you don't know who did it, right, until the end. And you're like, oh, I thought it was that person. Well, yeah, right? they write it sometimes where you're like, oh, I know so much. I know who it is. And then all of a sudden you're like, y'all did that on purpose. And that kind of shows, like, how the justice system is and dealing in crime. Like, sometimes we um, accuse people of crime and they're guilty before proving innocent. Instead of innocent before proven guilty, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, I think for sure in cases where you have, like, a husband and a wife, um, especially if there's, like, turmoil in the marriage or there's money issues. Whenever there's a money issue and someone has a large, uh, what do you call it, life insurance policy, mm-hmm. yeah, you're screwed. Like, right. <laughs> it was, whoever's the beneficiary, they did it. Like, right. off top. So... It's safe to say we need to check the life insurance policy first on some of these. Uh, I think I guess I think that's where couple they go. domestic cases. Yeah, I think that's where they go. Off, like it's where the cops go. Like first thing. Yeah, I've been um, I've been in uh, Las Vegas for uh, you know a little while, and this is like one of the states where it's, it's a lot of domestic violence uh, cases, not only in the state but just in the city of Las Vegas alone, um, which is uh, interesting. So. Oh, man, domestic violence in Las Vegas. I think uh, it's one of the things that needs to be 
um, looked at. I've personally dealt with domestic violence, and I've dealt with inside with inside the city, mm-hmm. and um, it was like, oh yeah, you know, you can file a police report, whatever. But you know, like when he gets out, he gets to come home, and it's just like, what? Like, R- right? So you want me to further make this person mad? After I've just sent them to jail, and then you're telling me that they get to come home. Yeah. So, domestic violence in Vegas is something that I think is it's a joke, and people like I think there's more num- like higher numbers than what you actually get to see, just because people don't report it because I've seen firsthand how they respond to it. Like for what? For sure, I I, I do see that, um, and how. Um, certain situations is handled handled better than others, and it's sad that all cases are not represented the same. Yeah. Um, so let's get into like the crime that that that's been happening in Las Vegas, um, not only present but kind of starting back in the past. Where you know, I know most people um, because of the sensationalizing of movies, um, we know about you know, the mob stories that happened in, in Las Vegas. But I want to get into, like, other um, historical events that happened in Las Vegas dealing with crime and kind of how it initiated. Well, I think most people know that, um, you know, Las Vegas was founded partly by the mob. Um, but I was really interested to learn that they are founded also by something called the Mormon Mafia, which is, I think is personally hilarious. I have a friend who's actually Mormon. She's probably listening right now. But I always give her a hard time because, you know, I'll go and I'll do something that's like, you know, a little sinful or I'll drink or uh-huh. I'll gamble and, and I'm just say like about it. yeah like I'll post a picture on Facebook I'm like look please do not tell Jesus that I just posted that video I know Uh-oh. y'all are close but like don't tell them and so I always joke about it that way but um it's crazy to see that the Mormons had such a big part in it um I was reading that Vegas is even here because they were founded in or they you know they got pushed westward when they were when their founder had died or was killed and um, they got pushed this way and they actually went to Utah. You know, everyone knows that that's a big, huge place where they're actually at. But um, the other place that they were at was in San Bernardino mm-hmm. and um, they needed a halfway point for, you know, traveling between the two places and they needed a place where they weren't going to be um, persecuted or, you know, like further attacked for everything. And um, that's how they even landed on Las Vegas because it was in the middle of nowhere. There was a water supply, but it was like, who is going to go to the desert to, um, you know, to actually mess with people. And it, they actually didn't for a very long time. And then boom, Vegas happened. Um, they got cornered with the whole Mormon mafia name, which I think we're going to touch on, um, later on in a different episode. We're kind of just going over and telling you guys what we're going to list, uh, be talking about over this, um, the course of the show, but there was something called the Mormon Mafia, who actually Howard Hughes, the um, the millionaire or the eccentric billionaire, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, he actually put them together because he wanted to get into the casino business and buy up. He was actually told that he couldn't um, he couldn't act a certain way at a at a hotel here, and he bought the hotel and was like, you know what, you know, I'm gonna do whatever I want, and boom, now I own you, so. I'm really going to do whatever I want. And so after that, he wanted to get into expanding it and making it bigger. And then that's how 
he actually got a whole bunch of Mormon people together because the mafia counterparts that were out here already and making the casinos and doing all of that, he mm-hmm. didn't trust them because obviously they're in the mob. So um, he got a group of Mormons together, businessmen, attorneys, lawyers, you know, like the whole everyone you need, real estate agents to get the, you know, the strip kind of going. And he bought up a whole bunch of hotels and that's how they were coined the uh, Mormon mafia because the only people at that time who were actually dealing with the casinos and everything was the mob. So mm-hmm. they kind of, they coined that name for that little group of people. Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting that Vegas was founded um, on ranchers and railroad workers and then essentially um, was a place where different um, groups of people migrated here um, to find a way of life. And like you said, uh, the Mormons, um, settlers came here to find a way with Brigham Young and um, decided that they wanted to land here and begin to, to develop this part of the West. Yeah. Um, and then going into um, essentially where in the 1940s where you had Buzzy Siegel and Meyer Lansky coming from the East Coast to Las Vegas and tapping into the resource of gambling and prostitution and things of that nature. So, Bugs, so you know how, like, we, um, have you ever gone on, like, I don't know, like, Google Maps or anything or just, like, you know, your weather? You'll mm-hmm. be in, like, a certain part of Vegas and it'll say, like, Paradise. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, I was reading on it earlier, and I didn't know that Paradise was actually um, founded by Bugsy Siegel because the more, at the very, very beginning of all of this, when um, alcohol was just being, becoming back legal and everything, right. um, that he went, Paradise was actually founded by Bugsy Siegel because Las, the Las Vegas, the incorporated part of Las Vegas, didn't want to have anything to do with him because mm-hmm. of his, you know, his mob ties. Mm-hmm. And so he actually branched off and broke into the Paradise version. So anytime you're over a part that says Paradise, that's actually founded by him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the whole the whole Paradise name comes from. Because I'm always like, you know, I check in somewhere and it says Whitney or Paradise. Right. And I'm just like, Never what? Yeah, no, I'm like, what is that? So, so So you saying that the um, incorporated area of the strip, which is Paradise, was basically started by Buzzy Siegel? Yeah. Okay. But it was actually the unincorporated area of Vegas because there was no rules. There was no, they couldn't like really tell him what to do. Okay. That's how he got out to that part of it. And that's where Paradise comes from. Yeah, I think in our later episodes, when we talk about. the mob stronghold over Vegas, what everybody knows, um, and and you spoke about uh, Brigham Young and the Mormons and how they partnered up with Howie Hughes, who was this, he had this corporate mindset that the mobsters really couldn't stop. And yeah. he had a bigger vision for what Vegas should be while um, the mobsters that was here, um, you know, they wanted to keep it small and controllable. Yeah. Um, he wanted to bring that glamorized um, look to Vegas, and that's what people to see today. Yeah, well, because whenever they were trying to get Vegas up and going, like once they were making an actual, like, city and trying to bring people here, mm-hmm. they will, they did put it in a place where no one wanted to go, so it was like you got to do something. Yeah. So whenever um, they said that whenever Sin City was coined Sin City because we created this um, 
district, this um, what is it? it's like in Amsterdam, like a red red light like district. Like a red light district. So right. whenever alcohol mm-hmm. was reincorporated back into the hotels and things, you mm-hmm. had a lot of brothels popping up and. Um, yeah, during prohibition um, in 1930. Um, Vegas actually gambling and prostitution wasn't legal yeah and then it became legal back uh, the following year and that's kind of where you had the East Coast um, uh, gangsters come in and, and capitalize on that yeah uh, I think you know they still was illegally selling liquor like you said bootleg oh yeah Boot, that's where during the prohibition days but you know an, that's gonna be uh, one of the episodes that we're gonna deep dive in. And you'll see the development of Las Vegas when it comes to alcoholism here. So uh, I think it's incredible that it dates back to 19, you know, 1940s and how um, alcohol just came this big booming business mm-hmm. outside of just the casino area. So Yeah, I think if it wouldn't have been for the fact that alcohol was able to be sold, right, mm-hmm. like right when it when it went back into being legal, I think it, it wouldn't, Vegas would have probably just went away. Mm-hmm. It probably mm-hmm. would have just been another like one of those Vegas desert town or the Nevada desert towns that you go through. Right, right. There's so many ghost towns. I moved to Reno uh, temporarily, and there's this old ghost town that you can go through, and it's there's so many of them that are just like it's dead. Like they couldn't get anything there. All the minerals were dried up, and then boom. So I think Vegas would have definitely turned into another town, or it would have been. More on like the Salt Lake City type of vibe, where it was just the Mormons that were here, and they they took over that way. So yeah, um, you know, I don't know. Las Vegas was one of those unique cities. Uh, like the name itself, Las Vegas, you know, stand for the Meadows. Yeah. And so you know, when people migrated here. You know, they seen um, the grassy, light land that wasn't around other areas of Nevada. Um, Mm -hmm. And that kind of opened the eyes to, you know, uh, Raphael Riviera, um, Goss, uh, Brigham Young, all these people who migrated here. They was like, this is like uh, Oasis in the middle of the desert. Um, Let's develop something here. But in the midst of that, you had crime that started with the development of Las Vegas. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, I I thought it was all interesting. I think the whole you know how Vegas started the whole mob thing. I think it's crazy. I don't. I think people come here and like they think, oh, that's so. That was so a hundred years ago, and it's like, dude, no, it's not. They just have all kinds of software and stuff inside these casinos that they don't need to be out in the front present. Right. So I want to give a shout out to everybody who's tuning in to us on Facebook Live and Mixler. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Hot 702.5, where we're making um, radio great again. My partner in crime, Mary Beth, here. Um, We really got some great um, episodes coming up. Um, Some cases you may be familiar with, some you may not. um, But we are going to bring you details and facts on some of these cases um, yeah, let's talk about one of our cases that um, people are going to gonna, gonna uh, uh, tune in to this season. So you want to go out? You want to talk about the heist? I think that one was interesting. The heist. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. So 
Just imagine all my football fans out there that you come to Vegas and you go to the sports book and you're trying to watch Monday night football. And somebody who's working at the sports book, <laughs> you know, the guy that, t- that he's counting the tears, he's collecting the money, you know, he looks like any ordinary person that you'll see in Las Vegas. You wouldn't think that this guy pulls off uh, a half a million dollar casino heist. I think that I thought it was so interesting. They said that he was supposed to be back at like two um, to turn in the money, and at like one thirty, they have video of him like just dipping out and leaving with and what they with what I guess would be the money. Yeah, Richard Brennan um, is who we're talking about involved with the case, and you're going to hear more about uh, on the Las Vegas Crime Report. Um, right around the time that he's supposed to turn in the money at two a.m. Um, he decides to hit the back door at like one forty-five, right? Yeah. Um, with a quarter million dollars in casino chips and a quarter million dollars in cash. Now, if that was you, you know, what would you do with all this money? Like, you just pulled off the heist of you know the year. Um, you basically took a half a million dollars from the casino. Uh, like, what would you do with all that? Um, so I'm going to go to like Costa Rica and <laughs> get a facelift real quick, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe a Brazilian butt lift, um, <laughs> and change my hair color. But no, I don't, so I don't gamble. Like, look, I live in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I've lived here almost nine years, but I'm not a gambler. Like if my friends or family come into town, cause everyone knows like you don't have to visit anyone when you live in Vegas, everyone comes here. So if someone comes here, I'll go to the casino, but I take $20. Like, after that $20 is gone, it's, you know, it's whatever. And really, I'm just taking that $20 so I can slip my little thing in the casino machine and get a couple free drinks because I'm not really a gambler. So to me, I don't understand the point of taking the chips. Like, are those transferable? Are those not? I mean, I know we have talked about this before, and you had said, like, it was way back when, when, you know, they – you know, in 1992, the chips, yeah. right? The chips now probably have some kind of little barcode on them, though, where they can be tracked and stuff, right? Like money, you know, if you use a, if it's certain serial numbers, like the the cops can figure out like what serial numbers and all that stuff. And so my thing is, um, what was he going to do with the chips? And that's what everybody's question is: like, what happened to the half a million dollars? What is he doing with the chips? Who was involved with him? Um, you'll find some of the uh, casino workers who worked with him, one guy named Sharp, he basically said that he started hanging around a shady character. A lot of people think that it was a mobster involved um, who this character is and that he owed the person some money um, because Richard Brennan was never found after he pulled off this unique heist. So, but if he owed him money, are we saying like, the, he took the money for the guy, he gave the guy the money, and then the guy still killed him? I don't know. We don't know. So the audience has to tune in. We're going to tap in to what happened with this casino heist because it's, it's a very um, intriguing story. Um, a lot of locals in Las Vegas, they know this um, story like the back of their hand because they lived in a time uh, in 1992 when this happened. Um, but the, another unique thing with Richard Brennan's case is it, it was dismissed in 2006. So if he's still alive with half a million dollars, which probably would be equivalent of, you know, what, one point some today. Yeah. He he gets off scot-free. Yeah. You know? So 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think I, people are going to be I went down a rabbit that. hole with that one. So yeah. I listened, I watched the video, um, the little news bite about it, but then it was like, well, there's been people, any person who's ever, um, what do you call it, actually got away with a, a heist like this, mm-hmm. they're saying that they disappear. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting because it's like, okay, so he got away with this amount, amount of money, like – it's like ocean. Like you ever watched the ocean series and uh, Ocean Eleven? Okay, <laughs> so yeah, like it took like seven or eight people to pull off the heist that one man did. This guy Richard Brennan did with the Stardust Casino yeah. in 1992. He just did it by himself. Walked out the door, gets away with a half a million dollars in chips and money, and never was seen again. Yeah, see, that's what they were saying. Like, everyone who actually successfully gets away with a heist, besides OJ, because he got caught. <laughs> One of the other episodes. We can, yeah, and that's a yeah, whole nother story right there. Um, hey, he wasn't even being stealing in Vegas, anything you know worth we have it. to go over this season talking about the juice. <laughs> that's, man, I love that story. I think it's hilarious. Like... You went to jail for stealing your own crap. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, you know, they still out to that. You stay still out to the OJ. You know, yeah. I OJ know. just trying to be out here and live his life. You know, play golf over there. You know, down the street, and you know he needs to be suing his daughter for what she did. She ran through all his money while he was in jail, all of it, all of it. <laughs> That's why he see. That's why he was even at the thing at the casino trying to rob trying him to, because to, his daughter used all his money. He's trying to sell his stuff to get his money back that his daughter spent. So I feel like they should prosecute oh, the man. daughter. Is that like karma? I don't know. I feel like it is, okay. but maybe, maybe. Um, but what's know. some other stories we gonna talk? We talk about Richard Brennan with the Stardust Casino heist. Uh, what's some other stories we're talking about so, this season? My biggest thing out here um, that I feel like we need the most awareness to is sex trafficking, mm-hmm. period. Um, I have friends that will come in, and they're like, oh, I'm coming to Vegas, blah, blah, blah. And I always tell my female friends two things. Stay in a group and pay to park. Right. Because no one's going to try to grab you from a parking place where they have to get in first to pay and then have to validate their parking on the way out. Right. Um, I was watching a whole bunch of – YouTube um, videos of just different women explaining their stories and their experiences of being um, almost sex trafficked or sex trafficked in Vegas. And it's all from the same places. Like it's all from, you know, anywhere where you pay, you're free to park, like Planet Hollywood right behind there. You know, that's where everyone parks to go into Miracle Mile into the mall. And um, I would never park there Mm -hmm. just because I've heard, I've heard, like secondhand stories from people who are like, yeah, my friend was there. Um, a car boxed them in. It's all the same story. It's like the car boxes them in. Someone comes in, like bangs on their window mm-hmm. um, and tries to get their attention. Then someone will be on the other side and they get so flustered that they open the door. That's, I mean, that's the, f- the first thing. Don't open the door. Start honking your horn if you have an alarm set off your alarm, you know. And I think that that is a huge epidemic here it's a huge epidemic everywhere but i feel like las vegas it's so easy because we have so many people that are in and out in and out right and i mean to find someone who's actually born and raised here it's i mean i probably know like three personally Mm -hmm. and so 
I, there's so many people that are just in and out of this place and it's so easy to get on one freeway and be in Texas in a few hours or California and then off to Mexico. You know, it's just so easy to get people out of here. And I feel like it's also e so easy and people target it here because when you're here in Vegas, you know, you're coming here for one thing and it's to get messed up, like period. You're here to drink, you're here to party, you're mm -hmm. here to, everyone's motto is like, I'm about to go to Vegas and get fucked up. So it's just like, you're already, you're, your uh, so many of the stories I listened to, their guard was down. They weren't paying attention People to. Are not aware of what's going yeah, on it was just like you look at the glitz and the glamour of Vegas, and I mean the Strip is beautiful, but come to the East Side with me, like. I don't want to go to. The I east don't side go to. <laughs> I don't go to the East Side when you come no, to Vegas. Okay, I've been to the East Side, and um, you know, shout out to to all my East Siders out there. Shout out to the North. I've been in North Town, hung out, you know, with some some. Um, I'll go to Craig Grant's park. Here. Um, you know, <laughs> um, you know. Um, but so, yeah, I, the thing about it is it, Las Vegas has always been known as a tourist city. Yeah. Right? So you have different elements of crime that comes into Las Vegas, uh, whether it stays here or something happens and somebody leaves, um, that you really don't get a chance to hear about. Right. And I'm so glad that we developed this show because – People, you know, are I have people from all over the world that always contact me. And, you know, now they're seeing different issues that go on in Las Vegas. But I do think it's uh, a situation where um, the crime that happened, it kind of get covered up because of tourism. Yeah, definitely. I think that they want to cover that up just because... Who who's like, ooh, I'm going to Chicago. Like, Chicago airs all their stuff out. Mm -hmm. And... That's the last place I think of visiting. I have friends who, like, live there or have lived there, and they're like, oh, no, you got to come see the other part of Chicago. I'm like, but what What about that part that's always on the news? Like, I don't want to go near right, nowhere right. near Six, that. 61st to 63rd. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Shout so, out to all my people in Chicago. Right, no like, offense to Chicago. Love, yeah, I'll come out there of, one day. Yeah, no, we actually got um, have a... Uh, Influx of Chicago's here, Chicago and people here. So, Huge. Man, shout out to y'all tuning in You can today, find bear um, crap on anywhere. On the Las Vegas Crime Report. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that we, we do hide it. We hide a lot of it. And I think that's why this show is necessary. Not to just, you know, show the fun or the interesting stories that are huge about the casinos and stuff. It's about the everyday crime that's here, too. I mean, we have... We had, I think, 56 missing um, people at the beginning of this month, or the beginning of last month. That's mm -hmm. a ton of, not even people, just children. That doesn't even include the adults, because I don't think they care to keep the stats for, you know, as many missing adults. But I was listening to a documentary that said at one time there could be 20, uh, was it 19,000 women missing in Las Vegas at any one time. Yeah. Um, From just the strip area. Yeah, on our um, social media, on the Las Vegas Crime Report on Instagram and the LV Crime Report on Twitter, uh, I remember seeing on there that um, the number is staggering, like how many, not only people, but kids who um, every year are missing from this area. Yeah, I think it's just, it's it's a circle. It's a circle, a pandemic of a circle, because you have the lifestyle that most of the people live out here and um you know it has a lot to do with the you know everyone's drunk everyone's 
you know, partying. everybody out here trying to live their life, their best life. Yes, coming out here and then get caught up in some type of. You know how many stories of where people are like, oh, there was a two-year-old on Boulder Highway riding a bike at three o'clock in the morning, and then it's like, well, where was their mom? Oh, you know, asleep, passed out, mm-hmm. drunk, or you know, all kinds of things. So I think the children are forgotten in this city big time. And I've recently, you know, I had a missing person scare with my my own kid. And just the response that I got from, like, I, I hate to throw shade. But Officials. Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't like it. Like, I mean, granted, I had to wait on 39 minutes on the phone with 311 because you can't actually make a missing report on 911. And I waited 40 minutes. Like, you're listening. I'm hysterical. You know, I talked to you that day. And I was just, I was so upset. And I'm just sitting here on hold, listening to hold music. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what? There needs to be a separate number for missing children. The only way you get to actually report it on 911 is if it's a baby. Like, that baby is my baby. She's, She's 16. You know, and right. God, thank God she came home. But it was like she's sixteen, and Not you're t- you're telling me that I have to wait for. I was told seven to ten business days. I had to wait seven to ten business days for a detective to reach back to me. So I'm hysterical on day four, one, 45 minutes in to this whole call, and you're telling me I have to wait seven to ten business days because my daughter didn't meet criteria for your missing persons. I just I. I was in such shock at how they handled it and how they, like, seven to ten business days. Like, like so my kid's not even, you're not even going to look for her on the weekends. What if a holiday would have fell in between that? I just think it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and how many other cases um, in this area are being handled that way? Um, this season, we're going to give people opportunity to call in and chime in um, if they do have a loved one that's been missing in this area to kind of chime in on what's been done um, and follow up with us. So, um, yeah, um, missing kids here, missing people here, uh, high numbers, uh, crime on the strip. We was just watching um, – um, the clip the other day um, where they're talking about um, the squatters and, and, and homeless and I think you know it's a misconception of people think that everybody that's homeless here are are uh, drug addicts uh, uh, or squatters and that's not really the case but it seems like it has been an influx of crime on the strip um, tourists are coming here and they're realizing hey certain areas of the strip I don't you know, really want to go to, I just stick to the casinos. And I think the casino owners, they, they, they want that because um, long as you're in their casino spending money, they're happy. Yeah. Whether you go somewhere or not, they want you based in that casino. So you're hearing people um, giving their opinion, um, talking about crimes that they seen that, that happened to other people or crime that may happen to them. So, yeah. Well, I think um, that that Instagram account that we follow, I think that's been so eye-opening. And it's actually been starting um, a lot of controversy, I've noticed, on their page where they're reaching out to people and they're like, hey, we're just reporting what's happened. We're not making it happen. It- right. They're not making it happen. This is nothing that they're making. Uh, I know uh, several people tried to, you know, close their page down. 
but these are like actual events that that's happening in Las Vegas on a daily. And this season, we're going to be able to show that. We're going to show some of those acts that's been going on. We're going to have um, people coming in, special guests that we're going to have. Y'all stay tuned in uh, to Hot 702.5 to the Las Vegas Crime Report. You're going to see um, and hear from guests that these different crimes happen to uh, or they uh, had immediate people um, that they know were involved in. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> some more cases uh, that's going on to see because I'm all, I'm ready to like deep dive. I almost deep dived in one we were just talking about. So, I'm <laughs> re- like, people don't even understand. Like, it's so many crime, um, um, you know, people out there that just watch it on a daily that that's watch it. Um, you know, involved in with the shows. Um, you know, people that may be a part of these these crime watch organizations. It's a big um, conference that's coming up next oh, year. Crime Con that's huge um, that we're going to be partaking in. That our audience is going to actually be uh, have a chance to see uh, what's going on with this Crime Con event. So yeah, like I'm really excited about the show. I don't think people listen. I don't think people realize uh, how true big true crime or how much how big the interest is in true crime i think whenever someone asks me they're like oh so you have a podcast you know because I, I had a previous podcast and i'd be like yeah they'd be like what is it about i'm like murder mm-hmm. and they're like what i'm like yeah it's about murder you know i think it's more fun than saying oh it's about true crime because then they're like oh okay but if i say oh it's about murder i think that's like, how we what? met because yeah. i've seen some <laughs> on your social media and i was like hey what happened with that crime because yeah. <laughs> You know, we just was like-minded people that 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 was, had similar interests, and yeah. so you posted something that happened in Las Vegas, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to know more. What happened?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, I've, I just I, I don't know. I like true crime. I like murder, and that's how yeah, that's how we even got onto this. Mm-hmm. So, I just think Vegas is is everyone does true crime everywhere else we hear about the bundy we hear about the the mansons the btks like i'm i tell you all the time like there's probably not a story that you can come to me with where i don't know the case already like people try to stump me all the time but um yeah i think that vegas there's such a an untapped potential in the true crime community here just because they're all crazy and cool stories like You've been telling me some of the stories where, like, you even pulled in Tupac and made it Vegas, you know, his Vegas relation and all that other stuff. Right. And so I just think it's it, there's so many big stories that are here that no one hears about. And I think it ties back into they don't want you to hear them. They don't want you to, you know, they were fine with just having CSI and that be the, right. <laughs> the extent of the crime that you know here. CSI Las Vegas. Yeah. One of my, another one of my uh, favorite shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've Man, every episode. Yeah. There's, I, there's nothing. I'm telling you, there's nothing murder related that I haven't seen. So I think it's um, interesting. Historically, we talked about um, the Mormons coming in um, back in the you know early 30s and then having in the 1940s the east coast crime syndicate coming in with Meyer Lansky and um, Benny Siegel um, Howard Hughes coming in and say you know what uh, mafia uh, gangsters I'm, I'm sick of how casinos are ran and he became this corporate conglomerate out here that changed the face 
um, of Las Vegas. And then you had, you know, Steve Wynn that came in in the 80s um, that really kind of catapulted Vegas to what it is today. Um, but if you're talking, and, and that was, you know, late 89, um, but you really don't hear about um, the historical migration of Los Angeles gangs moving here and we're going to talk about that on uh, one of our episodes of, of uh, on this season of the las vegas crime report yeah. uh one of the episodes that we're talking about is um the rolling um 60 gang who came here in 1992 um and that was involved um and uh with a lot of crime um extortion murder robbery um, further in the enterprise and was indicted in 2007. Uh, I think it was a 21 person indictment um, that still have remembrance uh, of that situation in Las Vegas today. Um, so I think people are interested. I had a lot of people kind of tap in already that was like, hey, you know, that's my uncle that was indicted in this, um, um, you know, Las Vegas Crip um, story. And it's still, you know, stuff to yeah. this day. Um, that's going on that, you know, they want to chime in on our episode. So um, to all the Las Vegas Crime Report uh, audience, man, tune in to that. I think that's going to be one of those stories that could possibly be like movie ready, you know, once we get done with it. Yeah. So. I'm excited. I'm excited for the whole show. And just like, I don't know. I've learned so much about it in just looking up for things for this. I didn't realize like. Clark, Desert Inn, um, there was some other names, some other big names that are just used around the city that have, um, like, historical meaning to it. You just, you live here and you just go through the day-to-day of Vegas, and it's so not glamorous when you live here either. Like, I get asked all the time, like, do you live in a casino or do you work in a casino? And it's like, no, I'm like 20 minutes from the strip, dude. Like, I think it, I think it's glamorous. It just depends on what side of town you're. It's different pockets of, you know, depending on what, what people, you know, want. Um, but like you said, Vegas is not all casinos and that's the misperception um, of, uh, what it is in Vegas. Yeah. Like we do regular stuff here. We go, well, I mean, not during the day we do most of the stuff at night because it's let's be real it's like a hundred and something degrees outside today Mm -hmm. so we have soccer games for kids they're just held at nine o'clock at night when the parents can stand being out in the sun but i think i don't know i just think it's interesting just everything that i didn't realize and they try to say that the you know like when and um mgm and all of those corporations came in and demobbed it but i'm just like "Mm." Right. Or maybe the mob restructure possibly. <laughs> restructure. Restructure. Yeah, we're gonna deep dive into that. Um uh we we try not to especially when it's dealing with present cases, uh try to keep, you know, maybe some names out of some of these stories. But those who live in the local Las Vegas community already know a lot of these stories and we hope that uh, from our audience they'll be able to chime in and kinda um you know, let us know, let it be known what, what, what happened with some of these cases. Yeah. Yeah. I have, like I said, I have some friends and stuff who are actually going to come in, um, you know, guest host with us and we're going to, you know, be able to interview, um, who have like missing, missing family, people who have been murdered. Um, I mean, I was out with a friend of mine the other night and just so happened that someone she was related to got stabbed and we were just, you know, 
right there reporting yeah, on it. No, so you it know what? Like- this, that's going to be another part of the Las Vegas crime report. Mary Beth is out there, like, <laughs> on the scene. She taking pictures. She out there um, interviewing the uh, um, the, the, the officers yeah. out there. She know the victim. I was trying she, so bad. I was like, look, I, we have a new radio show. That's they was about, about to, to deputize you out there because they was like, you own it. Like, man, we haven't even did the, the investigation. I, look, I looked at my friend and I'm like, look, please, I love you. You know I love you, right? Right. And I was like, but I'm about to do this. And she just was looking at me like, what? I was like, so I have a new uh, true crime Vegas podcast slash radio show that's coming out. I was wondering if I get a soundbite. How does that work? And the cop was just looking at me like, is she serious? But I plugged our show. Yeah. I, I mean, we were right there. They were the CSI or whatever they're No, you was the CSI. Like, I was taking live pictures and everything. But, yeah, yeah no, I it's... It's like cops. It was really was like cops episode out there. It was Maribel cra- live crazy on the to scene. See it, yeah. You see the cameraman <laughs> running up with the officer. That was Mary Beth. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool to just be there for I mean, it wasn't cool. I mean, obviously someone related to my friend got stabbed. Mm-hmm. But it was cool to just be there. we were just sitting there talking about you know, true crime in Vegas and the east side, because let's say it was on the east side. I'm right. telling y'all, there's a little, I don't do go, a lot of stuff. See, I'm I don't not from go, Vegas, but I'm trying to figure out, do a lot of crime lead to the east side? What's so what's going on? Is Historically, that's something that we need to know. Our audience need to know that. When I got here, I was told two things. Okay. You don't go past um, Lake Mead on the north side. Okay. You just don't. And then um, if you're going the other way, it is, what is that? Nellis is where all the action is at. So okay. you, you want to stay like Desert Inn. Okay. You want to stay on the other side of Desert west Inn. West of Desert Inn. Going west yeah, of Desert Yeah, yeah. So like Charleston and Desert Inn. Okay. Like if you pass that little edge of the square, mm-hmm. yes. It's a point okay. of no it's return. Like sketchy. I've been at Chuck E. Cheese and there's been gunshots. So, what? Yes, yeah. They they banging in Chuck E. Cheese? At Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. Oh my Two guys got in a fight, I guess. <laughs> I think it was something to the effect where she invited her, her kid's dad and mm-hmm. then she had invited um, the new boyfriend and they weren't getting along. But, yeah, there were shots at Chuck E. Cheese, so... I mean, there's there's all kinds of scenes. Maybe we can get like some of our um, audience members who's out there that's witnessing some of this stuff. You know, send us these clips. You know, like oh, if you see good. this stuff going on, like because that's um, part of our episodes. We're, we're going to be showing different things that's going on out there in Vegas. Our audience will be able to see this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you have any clips. Uh, DM us, uh, follow us on our social media pages on IG, on the Las Vegas Crime Report, on Twitter, um, it's the LV Crime Report, and on Facebook, on the Las Vegas Crime Report. So um, tune in um, to those social media pages, and yeah, and stay tuned with with our show on Hot 702.5. So we talked about the beginning where crime started in Las Vegas with... The East Coast uh, with the Mormons, the East Coast Crime Syndicate with um, Benny Siegel and Meyer Lansky. Uh, we talk about the big booming brother corporations coming in with Howard Hughes and um, uh, uh, so Steve Wynn. So let's Wynn. talk about who populated Las Vegas yeah. by donating his sperm to lots of Las Vegas moms. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So one of our episodes this season, um, we're going to talk about a doctor that was here, Dr. Quincy Fortier, who um, kind of spearheaded this artificial insemination thing going on back then when women couldn't get pregnant. Um, he was basically planting his sperm in his patients. Um, and so And so they find out that this was going on through the DNA in me and the uh, DNA testing that's going on, 23andMe. And um, so, uh, and it's crazy that I've had some a good friend of mine that he actually, um, uh, his mom was involved with a doctor in Houston that this happened. So this was things that was happening all over the country that these doctors um, were impregnating women with their sperm. And so Dr. Quincy Frontier, um, he actually found out he had uh, 24 kids, um, girls and boys, that was out there with some of his patients. I know one of his patients he was actually sued by, um, and he settled out of court. Um, it's two, a, women, a woman who had two of his kids. Um, yeah. And then also his biological son um, sued him as well for child abuse so i think our audience is uh i've had we already had people reach out and say oh yeah i do know that story about that doctor yeah. uh, we're gonna have a guest that um actually um had a kid by this doctor that's, um, that's coming on and it's gonna be um it's oh man i think oh just wait just wait. yeah i yeah. heard one of, one of the girls um she was asked she was like so how many siblings do you think you have and she's like hundreds yeah. She's like plural hundreds. And I was just like, geez. Yeah, because they only found like 24 of his kids. But can you imagine, like, this man was doing this for a long time. Um, before before DNA was like a thing. So DNA back then was still only used like primarily by like law enforcement. Right. So 23andMe and all of the Ancestry.coms, those didn't exist. So, you know, people weren't playing with DNA like that. And right. he really didn't have, I looked at some old, younger pictures and then older pictures, and he really didn't have, like, any features that were just like, aha. You know, right. like I told you, there was this um, same doctor, or not same doctor, but another doctor who, um, if you've ever gone into a gynecologist's office um, or any doctor that, you know, um, deals with giving birth to babies, whether it be a midwife or whatever, there's always pictures of the babies who they have actually um, helped give birth to. And so they actually caught this other doctor because he was a redhead. And all of the babies, I'd say 98% of the babies that were up on this board where he was, um, you know, displaying them all, they were all redheads. Oh, wow. And so um, once they so went... All, it was like children of the corn. All the kids had redheads. Yeah. And... Wow. And so he was like one of the only people in the community who were, you know, were um, who had red hair. And so once they broke it down and um, everything, it was just like you looked at this board and no one ever really realized it because there was a couple blonde hair, a couple brown hair. But I'm talking about 98 percent of this board. They all look the same. Right. But back then, like, you know, we talk about DNA now and, you know, I think people think twice about when they they what they do with their dna and if they submit it to these things but back then it was like dna what the normal person you know there wasn't the csis and the everything out where you you hear about dna and you hear about all these things all the time yes yeah, a lot I don't of crimes think they were out questioning there. it right 
Yeah, it's a lot of crimes out there that people wasn't uh, that people were exonerated from this DNA testing that later happened in the near future. Uh, in the future, but um, back then, like you said, you know, these women was going in with the hopes of just getting pregnant, um, really taking a chance. Didn't know who the father is, and the father is the person who, you know, inseminated them with the sperm. So that's yeah. that is. Ew, like. <laughs> I mean, well, think about it. I mean, you're you're sitting here already helping women who are having trouble getting pregnant, right. having fertility problems. Like, God forbid you have some really bad genes and you're passing on Alzheimer's or, you know, early onset Alzheimer's where you got 500 kids now that are getting Alzheimer's at 50. Yeah. Like, and I looked at a picture of Quincy uh, Frontier, Dr. Yeah, Quincy Frontier. Yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing it was spectacular. Like, I don't think, like, if the women knew they was getting pregnant by him, like, they were like, nah, I need my money back. What's going on Thank here? you. <laughs> I mean, well, look at, if you look at it back then, I think, you know, the the sperm banks where women would go in that, you know, it'd be like, oh, this is a doctor and he plays the violin and he does this and he does that and he has these features. So if people were going in and being this specific on how they wanted the father to look, I'm pretty sure they weren't picking your old butt. But so. what, about the, what about the women who was um, impregnated by his uh, procedure? Um they actually might, you know, had a kid that was that became a doctor like him, you know, or uh, like what about those? I'm wondering, I wonder if every all the women are coming forward with the case. Like, are they, are they all all women come for? I know they found all the kids in the case, and we're going to talk about that later on this season, but. All the kids out there. Like, we said 24, but what if it's 100? I think you, you also know? have to think of the time when this happened. Like, we're so open now. We got people on um, social media, reality shows, that they just let it all out. If they're getting cheated on and they're, you know, kids' fathers cheating with five different women, they let it all out. It doesn't, you know, everything's free reign as far as personal life goes these days. And... um I think back then, everything was hush-hush. I hate when people are like, you know, marriages don't last as long as they used to last. It was like, well, they didn't last because people wanted them to. It was like, you didn't get to get out of a marriage. So I think, like, there would have been more um, cases or more people coming forward if it would have been in a different time period. I think the time period that it happened, people were still like, privacy is, like, what happens at home happens at home. So there's husbands that are out there that are like, no, you're not about to tell somebody I didn't get you pregnant. Because there was a lot of people who went to these type of doctors back then that didn't, you know, fertility issues these days, like, people are so open about it. And mm -hmm. like, yo, Kim Kardashian had a surrogate. You know, um, Chloe was talking about having a surrogate. You know, these big name people have surrogates now. But back then, it was, it was, you didn't it was admit, a yeah, right. you didn't admit that your husband didn't work or you didn't work. You know, that wasn't something you told to people. The perfect picture was always projected. So I think you'll never, unless you have the the kids who are going to go and find out for themselves. I don't think you're going to have um, that many more cases that'll openly come up. Shout out to some of our audience members. Uh, shout out to E. Karee tuning in. Uh, Mike Rude Boy, Mike. Uh, all of our um, studio audience uh, members that we have here today. Uh, my co-host. Um, we talked about, again, uh, some of the crime that started in Vegas. 
Uh, we're going to bring you present crime that's going on um, as well. Uh, we just talked about Dr. Quincy Frontier, who um, impregnated women in Las Vegas and, um, you know, find out that 24 of the women that he impregnated, uh, you know, has, you know, his kids. Um, we talked about the Rolling 60 Crips, who came here in 1992 to 2007 and raised havoc, uh, robbery, extortion, murder, arson, you, you named it. Um, and I think uh, one of your your passions uh, um, with the mobster stories and Benny Siegel, um, yeah. Meyer, Meyer, Meyer Lansky, Definitely. and, and I the East to Coast gangster that came. Yeah, um, it's interesting here. If you've never been to Las Vegas, we have the Las Vegas uh, Mob Museum. Uh, shout out to them. Um, and if you, if you haven't been there, definitely check out. Uh, we're going to be going over some of those stories that you see in, in, in that Mob Museum. Yeah. I'm so. excited. You excited? I'm super excited. Yeah, this one—the jitters are out. The jitters are out now. Our first episode right here on Hot Seven O Two Five, where we're making radio great again. My partner in crime, Mary Beth. Uh, I'm your boy, Coach Carter, and uh, we we are excited that you tuned in to us today. Yeah. No, thank you, guys. Um, anyone who listened, supported. Anyone who supported. Um, just with sharing our stuff and, you know, reacting and just kind of getting us out there. Um, I'm just ready to keep going. So Yeah, uh, make sure you tune in to, um, like Maribel said, our social media platforms, IG. What's the IG, Maribel? Uh, the Las Vegas Crime Report. Twitter is the LV Crime Report. And then Facebook is the Las Vegas Crime Report. Um, you can also send us um, emails if you have any stories that you want to let us know. Um, it's the Las Vegas Crime Report at gmail.com. So. Yeah, so if you have some of those stories that you heard us kind of um, overview today, um, send us some, you know, chime in. Let us know. Let it be known what you know about the story. We'll love to hear what you know. Um, and, and we're here together kind of being um, investigators on some of these crime reports. So thank you today for tuning in to the Las Vegas Crime Report. We're live here on Hot 7025 where we're making radio great. Hey, first episode down, Mary Bell. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Y'all stay tuned in. Hot 7025.